This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 185. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, I'm Michael Blanc. I'm super excited that you're here. Today's guest is going to give us a deep insight into what it's like to manage tens of thousands of units. And in fact, he has managed units for people, famous people that, that you might actually recognize. And in so doing, he's exposed to people with money, of course, uh, but also he has got a passion for applying technology to the multifamily space. So this is a little weird, but hear me out. Uber, right? Uber applied technology to a stagnant decades old uh, industry, which is taxi. Completely disrupted the taxi industry. Airbnb is doing the same thing for hotels. And Patrick's argument is that the same thing can and eventually will happen in the multifamily space as well. So this is super, super exciting to me to kind of talk about that and, and, and see what Patrick is basically seeing in the industry. And so this gentleman, Patrick Antrim, is the founder of Multifamily Leadership. It's a thought leadership platform, but he has acquired on behalf of others $400 million of real estate. He has managed a property for John Saunders, international coin dealer, former assistant treasurer of American Express. Dean Graziosi, who we may know, best-selling author, one of the biggest real estate trainers in the organization, has worked with Tony Robbins. And the Honorable George Argyris, Forbes billionaire, one of the world's 800 richest men. This is the kind of the background that he's come from. And he's on the show today. And it's super fascinating because he has a crystal ball that I don't have. And maybe you don't have either. And he kind of talks about what technologies can be used today to improve the resident experience. In so doing, to actually improve our bottom line and differentiate us as well as the property managers out there as well. So while we may be pushing this technology, our property managers have to embrace it. And the ones that do are going to be in a competitive advantage. So I'm super excited to have Patrick Antrim on the show. Uh, just before we get in there, I'm really super excited about our mentoring program. I just We just had another student uh, close the deal last week, so I just felt like I needed to mention it. And it occurs to me that there's three things you need to close a deal. It's that you need a steady flow of projects, obviously. Number two, you need access to funds. And number three, you need the experience and a team in place to make it all done. Now, I, I do believe that all three you can achieve over time through what I call the brute force method or just consistency. But if you have the ability to invest in yourself, our mentoring program allows you to fast track all those things because we have a system for basically giving you access to, to deals and raising money. But more importantly, we give you our experience and our network you don't have to build that from uh, from start. So you call up a broker and say you're working with the Michael Blanc organization and you just ask if there's any questions, which are, are none. So it really accelerates the process for that. Also, you're going to be held accountable. You're working with a full-time apartment building investor. So I'm super excited about that. If that's something that you want to do and you really want to do your first deal in the next 12 months, then schedule a strategy session with us. It's at themichaelblanc.com forward slash mentor. All right, awesome. Let's get right into the interview here with Patrick Antrim. Here we go. Patrick, welcome to the show today. Hey, Mike. Great to spend time with you, man. This is great. You're doing so much exciting stuff. I already know some of it, but the audience does not yet. So I'm just excited for them. <laughs> so give us a little background on kind of your real estate background. How did you get started and what have you done? 
Yeah, so unusual approach to real estate. Uh, actually, uh, retired as a New York Yankee and uh, realized early that uh, had done things after the retirement. You know, had real estate in their portfolio, so I started mentoring gentlemen that built and acquired real estate. And uh, my sports agent linked me up with a gentleman that used to own the Mariners, and uh, he had an apartment portfolio. He became and you know over the years U.S. ambassador and. You know, one of uh, 700th richest men in America. <laughs> mm. And, you know, with that process, he did all that with the cash flow from 5,000 units. So I became his apprentice for 18 months, learned everything from the top down, from the money eyes, how to, you know, identify, create value and keep it. That I think was the most important part. He was really good at keeping it. And then just worked my way up through the organization, collected coins in laundry rooms, spent time in maintenance, scraped curbs, accounting, due diligence, all of those things, and ultimately, essentially running about a $1.2 billion portfolio in about 13 states. That is awesome. So you were running the portfolio for, for this gentleman? Yeah. So what ended up happening, uh, I ran a, a small 5,000-unit portfolio in Southern California. And when I say ran it, I mean, we carved them up into almost 1,300-unit blocks. And through that process, I just sort of became the guy to remove complexity you know, bring great people on, get them working effectively so you can drive higher rents, right? That, that was the game. Uh, and then through that, just started developing relationships with his network and ran another company that had 1,500 units and grew to 5,000, did development, and then ultimately running a national portfolio for, um, you know, a, a large tenant and common sponsor. That's interesting. Now, I, I, in your bio, you actually mentioned some of those people. Are you at liberty to say who you're kind of working with? Yeah, well, I mean, great individuals. I mean, uh, George Ardress, uh, former U.S. ambassador, United States. You, John Saunders, uh, one of, I think, you know, Bank of America's single largest borrower, really understood the negotiation and the financial part of the business. So I'm basically developing and rounding out how I shape up my experience in this by working with developers, working with operators, working with people that are looking at the capital side of things. And, you know, in 2008, that's when I, uh, you know, went on my own to really solve what I think is the talent problem, being that multifamily, aside from commercial, retail, industrial, it's really the, the people part of the business. And so that's, that's what we've been focused on recently. Yeah. So if, you, if you've managed thousands of units for, uh, you know, very recognizable people as, as well, and you kind of grew up in, I, I would say almost in the asset property management space. And now then you've shifted, like you said, you shifted. What, what is it that you've been working on recently? What's kind of your passion? Yeah. So, I mean, what we're, what we're finding in multifamily is you know, if you look at it like a consumer category, right? Like if you look at Airbnb or Uber app, anything that's new that you use on your app, on your phones, you know, as a startup, these companies come together. They really understand the community. They understand the people that they're building their product for. Otherwise, it just won't work, right? Instagram has a lot of intel on, on, on how users interact with the design of the application, also the, you know, the emotional experiences that happen while using the application. And so, you know, multifamily has been really a real estate physical product, right? And now I think what, what's happening is the consumer, the people that are coming in and renting these places are changing. They expect a little bit more than just rents, square footage, and supply and demand sort of fundamentals. And I think that's really where the competitive advantage lies in those investors that are looking at assets going forward is like, you have an opportunity, 
to look at multifamily as a consumer category and create some value that other investors are not looking at just because of the way that they have to model things out. Invest, you know, insurance companies, uh, third-party reports, you look at the loan structures, the capital structures, the lender requirements. They're not asking about these types of things yet because it's not really, we're about 10 years behind that approach, right? So if you can look forward and figure out a way to create a unique experience as a multifamily operator, you can walk into any property portfolio, regardless of the size, and create value instantaneously. So this is a little odd to me. Uh, and I, the parallels between what you're drawing between Uber and, and are very interesting. I never thought of it that way. I want to delve into that. So what I hear you saying is that you can apply innovation and technology to the multifamily space in a similar way that Uber applied technology to something that's been around for decades. Is that, is that am I hearing that correctly? Right. So most, most investors look at the basics, the fundamentals, and, and these things are foundational. They have to be in place. Your debt service, your expenses, you know, your rents, all those things. But you know, let me give you an example. Would you finance a car dealership today? Would you build and buy a car dealership today and make a 25-year commitment on a loan or investors if autonomous driving and uh, you know, the world of how vehicles move around cities is changing, right? And, and even the, people are just not even needing cars in some cities. Now, this isn't in every market, right? So you have to think that real estate is changing. And so I think the executives, investors of the future, if they want to get this stuff right, they need to really think about understanding the technology. And it's something that's mostly the last thing focused on. It's like, what's my income? What's my debt service? And all those things. But if you can go into a unit, and I know smart home technology, uh, we can talk about that in a minute, but they're able to go in and get a lift on revenue by certainly providing and competing with an A property, right? So you go in and you put an investment in, into the renovation of the unit and you're instantly leasing up faster with a premium. In some markets, they're getting $55 a, a month on rent lift on just implementing smart home technology. So when you think about like an Uber experience, why do we use it? Well, it's because we don't want to sit there and wait for the taxi or call them and go to a you know call center and all that stuff. And it's removing friction in the process of getting to where you want to go in a city. That's what Uber really did, right? Give me my time back. Give me my life back. In fact, I, have to, I can think about not even needing a car. I don't rent cars when I go look at properties anymore, right? And so that's where I think the opportunities are. You know, going back to the smart rent stuff or the um, you know, smart technology, IoT, these are real opportunities. I don't think a lot of small properties and when I say small, like you know, under 100 units that are looking at, that's a great way to solve for the competition to newer, higher rent properties, class A, new developments. You can provide an experience for the resident and compete and just really focus on that, the location of your asset and, and then get the ROI. So most investors that I see looking at deals are asking that question. Down the road, you'll look at lenders as actually valuing properties based on the technology in the buildings and the units. So, you know, one unit has granite counters, the other one has laminate, you know, in an appraisal, you're going through that process, you're going to get a higher value on the rent and just the asset because the lenders are understanding that, okay, this is an amenity that's worth value. Eventually, you will find technology that way too because insurance premiums can go down with sensors that indicate leak detection, you know, understanding purchasing, preventative purchasing on uh, HVAC, 
when you know that uh, certain equipment is reaching stressor levels, you can now, you know, instead of being in an emergency situation on an after hours on Thanksgiving, making a purchase, you know, on a, a property could save $100,000 a year just by having the right technology in place from the expense side, not even talking the upside. All right. You got me hooked with uh, creating an Uber-like experience for apartment buildings. All right. So now we're going to have to just go into some of the ideas you have. So what kind of idea, what are you seeing out there? So if I, you know, we have a portfolio, some, many of us do, and we want to create an Uber-like experience that improves the quality of the tenant experience. In so doing, of course, makes us more competitive, which means we now get more revenue and possibly even save some expenses. But the driver really is, like you, I think you called it a friction, removing friction from doing business and having a, a better experience for the tenants. So what are some specific ideas that, uh, that, you, that you can mention? Yeah, and I think it's important to understand because sometimes these things can feel like overwhelming. How do I identify all these things? How do I bring them all in? And what, pro, you know, what stages, things like that. But what's most important now is to just be thinking about these things, thinking differently and talking to the right people. And so, for example, like with Uber, you think about it, right? The app's on my phone. It already has my credit card. And I can even set it on my home, my work. You know, we go down to a Diamondbacks game in Arizona. It, it knows that, you know, I can just hit, I don't even have to enter the address. It just remembers a location. And so that's an example of frictionless, right? I can have better conversations with the people I'm talking with because I'm not sitting here typing uh, and distracting them one-on-one. So that's an Uber experience. Now in multifamily, if you're renting an apartment, think about the process that one goes through. Now, 49% of calls that go into a leasing office go un- unanswered. Hmm. Okay. And so... When you think about that from a lost dollar or lost marketing opportunity, just by not having the right technology to roll over to an AI voice assistant, right? Those types of things can impact not only you as an you know, investor, but as a consumer, the renter, right? They're off work and you have a small property and you know, the one manager or leasing person is out on a tour, that call goes unanswered. What's the experience like when they have to call back? And typically 52% of the people that go and make a phone call, if it's unanswered, they don't call back. So we have data on that stuff and it's, it's really compelling. So you think about the leasing journey from front end, you know, all the way from, you know, I'm searching, I contact the leasing office, are they using chatbots? Are there easy ways that people want to communicate in today's world about getting information on the property, the pricing, how do I schedule an appointment, right? And then going to see the property. Okay, so that's really, I think, the easiest point is you think about that improving the leasing journey of what it, a resident goes through. Then they come there and they have to fill out an application. Is it paper? You know, did they imp- input this data once? There's a, there's a lot of platforms and technologies that can make this really seamless and, you know, opens up opportunities. So imagine going into like a 24-hour leasing opportunity. You know, we look at the people that we want to qualify as do they have, you know, enough income to pay the rent? Uh, are they, well, they're probably working somewhere, but then at five o'clock, six o'clock, offices close in some cases. And so now, you know, you've restricted the opportunities for people that are winning somewhere, you know, maybe working at a software company locally and, you know, they're working late and, and how do they interact with your property in those, those times? So I think understanding the platforms, the opportunities to improve the leasing journey, you know, how they apply, how they rent, how they find you. That's, that's a, just like an easy lift. Um, the second part is really you look at once they're in the home and they move in, it's like, what's that experience like? 
right? So there's a lot of technologies from appliances, washer and dryers, all these things that are developing smart technologies that can talk to each other. And so once they're in the unit, there are some opportunities to create some value, again, with the smart IoT devices for them to you know, differentiate from the property down the street and you know, provide a, an experience for that. You know, it's, it's no longer living. It's like, what's the living experience by you know, renting at your property? So describe that a little bit, and and keep in mind that most of, of you know of us and our listeners were investing Class B, Class C properties, and not so much luxury high rises. Is this applicable to that kind of demographic as well, or is this kind of more of a uh, luxury kind of item? Yeah. So right now, the people that are you know adopting it quickly, and you know those that are in development. So when you're in development, you know just the nature of how you acquire the deal that you're you're you know, six, 12, 24 months out, you're thinking about the future. You're naturally looking at what's next, right? So this natural conversation, it makes sense to future-proof these technologies, right? Into your units. You're already in the, you're already buying these things, right? So that's the idea. And that's why you're seeing that on a lot of the new class A buildings. Now, you know, going forward, it's going to be one of those things, just like Wi-Fi, where it's almost like an, it's not an ROI conversation. It's like, a necessity, right? And so and that's why you've got to get focused on the consumer, you know, like Uber and these other apps that we use on our day-to-day lives, they are really they really understand the customer, right? Most of our investors are trying to understand our investors, we're trying to understand our residents, employees, all these things. So the better you can understand the customer, what the customer wants, that's ideal. But again, I think it's when you implement these things, you can go for the lift on like an amenity. But I think really there's a, a, there's a tremendous value in if you have these technologies in place, do you need a leasing agent, right? Can you be more efficient with your keys? Are you, you know, turning keys? Is, what's that process look like? Start looking at the expense associated with, you know, doing keys at a property, right? the time it takes to facilitate and communicate work orders. Resident does a work order, they email the office, the manager's off, they don't get it because it's their day off. So the maintenance guy, you know, then you get a, a, a review on Yelp. And you know, what is the impact to the inefficiencies that happen in just the operational stuff? So I, I think I understand your question around, you know, is this really like the brand new lease up has, you know, a theater room and fitness center and all this stuff. But the reality is, I think it's a, a great opportunity to operate better, lower cost. And a smaller property, you have to understand, like a lot of companies ignore the smaller properties in terms of because they have fixed capital costs or closing costs, you know, so they have to do larger deals. I get that from the financial capital side. But a lot of people won't manage small properties because historically, it's been hard to find people to work at them you know, what's the journey, you know, that property manager wants to run a 500 unit building and, you know, you have 300 units and, you know, they're all 60 unit buildings. So you end up losing people, right? But if that's not a requirement as it used to be, then I think smaller properties can be unique opportunities to create some value because now that game has changed. Think about the next, last time you went on an airline, right? The ticket agent, right? You just don't need to go to that counter anymore. And that business is far more complex in terms of flight times and, you know, all the things that change, weather, and, and they're able to ticketless just, you know, get people across cities. And so I think it's very possible, well, it is possible, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, 
you just don't need a leasing agent to run your property. All right, let's, let's talk about that. Let's go a little more specific on that. For example, if I study the self-storage industry, the people who are really doing well are innovators. They're applying technology, buying existing self-storage units that are you know, doing okay, but they're applying technology, especially to allow the tenants and customers to be a self-service customer, which pleases both sides of the, of the equation. I think what I'm hearing you say is that some, there's a similar model that can be applied to multifamily with regards, for example, leasing. Is there a specific kind of technology that you're seeing that people are starting to use? And, and what does that look like? Yeah. So for those listening, there's a product called uh, Ace AI. So it's a leasehawk. You can go to leasehawk.com. That's an Ace AI. That's a very simple way to implement, you know, uh, essentially a, an AI for uh, answering your phone calls and, and, and taking that 49% of those calls that are unanswered. And, and instead of having those go to a dead voicemail or just not returned, basically an AI assistant, a voice assistant, if you've familiar with like Siri or Google Voice, these types of things. It's they can answer the questions like, do you have a one bedroom available? Can I book an appointment? Those types of things. So that's the beginning of it. The second piece would be, you know, understanding your property management software, making sure that it has an open platform for integrations. So these technologies can talk to each other. That's a huge issue right now uh, in terms of innovation. There's a lot of things that are being developed and designed to solve your problems in the business. But in order to do that, there needs to be an open architecture of where technologies can talk to each other. So you want your you know, automated voice uh, leasing person you know, to be able to uh, book an appointment and uh, then at that point, you know, p- perhaps even schedule a tour and then you know, maybe even give an access code to the actual unit right, to get access to, to the property. You don't have to roll these types of things out, right, like all encompassing. You can try it on like one unit or the manager's unit or the model unit, something like that, and just, you know, experience it. But I think that's really what's, uh, you know, uh, leasehawk.com is a great tool for the first step and just understanding, you know, th- and they, they have a suite of things that, that help you, but that's, that's one of the um, companies that we look at for AI for the leasing calls. Interesting. So leasehawk.com for, for leasing calls. Now, how would they integrate with uh, property management workflow that pe- people have? So uh, we talk about the, the leasing on the one hand and showing the unit. For example, in Airbnb is one of the things that's very popular also is, again, innovation technology where people are just completely dealing with, you know, the web and app, you know, through Airbnb. They have access codes where they can, they can act. They never even talk to anybody and they like it that way. They want to be left alone. Right. Is it something similar like that you're seeing in apartments where you, you, you can actually show yourself? Is that even effective? Does that even exist? Is that even realistic? Yeah, you're right, Michael. Now, we, we talk to those, I mean, in single family, that's already happening. And I brought on a few people from uh, some large organizations. I think they have now 800 or 880,000 single family units. Now, that innovation was not because they wanted to be amenitized or they want to create a, an ROI or a lift in revenue. That was designed by necessity. And they just couldn't manage that many homes and that many locations at that speed without this process. Because now you, you had you know, local real estate agents scheduling appointments, you know, commission only, taking a full month's rent or whatever it might be and as a commission and, and trying to coordinate that. There was the time involved with that was inefficient. And so, interestingly enough, single family has inspired that technology to already 
be tested and modeled. There's a few companies that take on these challenges and, and you can look at sort of the process they go through, but it is a possibility. Now, Airbnb is a $30 billion company, right? They, the, the, you know, people are either in a home, they're in a hotel, or they're in an apartment. And so, they're really good at reaching the sort of demand of the general public and, and, and those that are looking for unique travel experiences. But there are some opportunities for multifamily developers, managers, investors to work with Airbnb. They're one of our sponsors at our Innovation Summit. And, you know, I know that they're looking for opportunities to make this you know, connection to multifamily, another possibility for not only the platform that they bring in, the demand that they bring in, you have uh, a whole marketplace out there that's a hidden marketplace called corporate housing. There's companies that are deploying consultants and, you know, people all across the country and they need property from six, 12 months, sometimes 18 months. Uh, and so, when you have a platform like Airbnb or this sort of, you know, technology, those become competitive advantages for those companies to plug into. Any technologies right now, aside from Airbnb, that you're seeing that are playing into this space? Yeah, I can, I can tell you uh, smartrent.com is a new innovative uh, technology bringing out uh, just a platform of services. And I just, I have to disclose, these are sponsors at some of our, our summits, but SmartRent, um, Point Central uh, is the company that uh, was the backbone for, uh, I think it was Invitation Homes where they did, you know, grew that portfolio and deployed uh, that technology. That's a, a platform that, uh, you know, depending on, they're, they're owned by ADT, uh, Alarm.com, I'm sorry. And so they have partnerships with like companies like ADT and, and different, all these companies do different things, but you've got to uh, sort of understand your unique you know, position in your marketplace and what, you know, get on the phone and talk to these people and, uh, you know, see what they can do to, you know, help you integrate these things because it's, it's not as far off as you, as you might think. So smart, smart rent, uh, Vivint smart home, another sponsor of ours. Um, Airbnb is, is more of the, you know, shared rental marketplace. But uh, in those categories, there was a couple of companies called Urban Door, which Airbnb just purchased and they really focus on that corporate housing individual traveler that might be traveling for work, right? And some of these are long projects that they might be on and, and sort of the, this is why I'm talking about understanding your customer because the renter is not living at your property and, and trying to stay employed for 30 years working at Intel anymore, right? And so these are platforms that allow this new global workforce to, uh, you know, tap into supply, which might be, you know, one of your properties. So, we talked about Urban Door, we talked about Vivint, Point Central, Smart Rent, Stratus IoT. This is uh, Felicity Mormon. She's one of uh, the brightest people I know in multifamily. She has a platform. I just got a text from her this morning that uh, Entrepreneur Magazine voted her company the sixth I think it was the sixth uh, most exciting company. Uh, so that's, that's exciting news for them. So there's some smart people out there that can figure this all out, right? What the executive needs to understand is you don't need to know all these things, but I think, or even the investor, you just need to understand that sometimes you're not, you don't really have real estate. You have a, you have a technology, your property is, could be a potential technology company, a data company, right? And, and, and how do you create that experience for the people that are interacting with your property? And if you focus on those things, it's, it's going to happen. 
And if you focus on those things, I think you'll end up having a, a real competitive advantage for those that are just looking at, you know, DCRs and, and, and the obvious. What acceptance or resistance are you seeing from property managers? I think property managers have the the stigma of being, you know, kind of, you know, in the dark ages, not really innovative, uh, doing things we always do. But what kind of uh, pickup are you seeing from from the property management companies or what kind of resistance are you seeing and, and how can that be overcome? Yeah. So, Michael, great question, because, you know, there is that stigma. But I'll tell you, you're seeing like uh, I think MIT was tracking in 2008, 300 companies. I think now in terms of what technologies are coming after real estate and are going to change the way people live and work, there's thousands now. And so there's a hashtag called PropTech. Just you know, follow that and understand everything that's happening next, how they build units, all those things. But property managers, to your question... Some are fee managers, and so the, you know they're they're doing the best they can. And you know you've got owners that just have certain exit strategies, right? Like, so how do you get somebody to think long term about this stuff when they're trying to be out of this thing in eighteen months, right? So it's their property managers are in a sometimes tough spot because they want to do some of these things, but at the same time, you know, based on how the the property and investment objectives of the property, uh, that there's got to be alignment there, right? So. The thing inside these organizations is these organizations and these uh, investors have been cashing million dollar checks every month. So it's like, well, we're winning, right? So why would you want to disrupt that? But at the same time, you don't want to be surprised like the taxi companies, right? All of a sudden, your business changes overnight. You know, going back a few years back, grocery stores. I mean, look what's happened to grocery stores. It's like nobody saw Amazon buying Whole Foods and, and now, you're, you know, you, the food, the grocery store is coming to you, right? So, I think that even though that you're winning where you are, if you want to stay in business, you've got to think about what's next, about the environment, the community that you're managing. But, I, I, you know, again, I think the solution for those management companies or the investors is they've never really had anybody on staff to identify and take the time to work together to get outside the business and think about what's next. You know, it's sort of the, the idea of our whole summit. It was like, hey, let's take a few days. Let's step back, zoom out. Let's see where we're going and how do you show up for the customer of the future? So I think that's, you know, one of the first steps is just start thinking differently. I think that I think that's that's exactly right because like you said for decades we haven't had to think differently just for the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. Hey, we're all making great money, we're executing our business plan and there's there really is no problem, but there could be. And I th I think or I think there's so many industries that have been disrupted by technology, why would that not happen to the multifamily industry or could it happen? And even if it doesn't, if we apply this technology, could we not, would that not make us different, give us a differentiator? And same thing for a property management company who wants to be progressive. It's kind of like a, like a commodity almost. Well, one differentiator could be the focus on technology. And so property managers could actually have an advantage if they start embracing this technology. What are some of the other trends that you're seeing? Well, I think, you know, when you look at a business, a property, I think talent is the last real competitive advantage. So we, you know, we do research on uh, the large management companies nationwide, and uh, you know, this year we'll be recognizing 58 companies that have created healthy organizations. So we'll look at the eight key areas in that process. One of the trends I'm seeing is like, you know, if you want to show up for your resident and you want to show up for your investor, you have to figure out the inside of the game, right? You have to understand the internal company. All companies are nothing more than a collection of people. 
And so when you can attract the right people, you know, get them working effectively together, you can start creating these experiences for residents. Ultimately, that's the indicator of driving the return. And that's truly, you know, building community. You have this physical real estate, these residents living in this, you know, tight quarters together. And, you know, they're expecting more from owners of these properties, you know, management companies, things like that. They're expecting more than profits, right? So, companies and investors are going to be held more than just how much stuff did you buy and how much impact you can make, right? And so, I think that's really the issue. Secondly, the other trend, I don't want to call it a trend, is like there's a big conversation right now about how do you create affordable housing? So, I think there's a big focus around that in terms of how do we change the name of what that word means to people when they hear it? What's the story that we're telling on our talking to planning commission and our, our local senators and things like that so we can get property supply up because the demand for housing is, you know, we've got jobs coming to areas and there's just not enough units, you know, to bring on. And so that's, you're going to see technology impact the way properties are built. Now, the affordable housing and sort of talent being the last real competitive advantage. I think those are the two sort of leading indicators of what's next. Beyond that, you can look at AEC, which is Architectural Engineering and Construction, BIM Technology, which is sort of the building um, uh, innovation uh, or information modeling. So there's properties that are being built right now. You know, like I looked, I was at an innovation summit in Atlanta, Shadow Summit. We looked at a property put together 56-story sky tower built in 19 days, right, with this technology. So, the technology will solve, I think, the affordable housing, but what's happening is the architects don't know how to use this technology, and the city planners flatten all this technology. So, you just, you're just just going back to the old ways of building. So, I think that's going to impact supply, just housing in general. Interesting. Talk a little bit more about your multifamily leadership and your and your summit. What what is that? What's your what's your mission there? What do you do at the at these summits? Yeah. So one of the things we do is uh, again we do research on the eight key areas of these leading companies nationally. Uh, we bring them out for uh, a two day experience. Uh, part of that is you know we've taken them up in helicopter rides. We get them outside their office so they can design a business that's, you know, worth running and also create an experience for the residents. And, and so that event is sort has essentially evolved a leadership, you know, how do you create results inside a, a, a large real estate company? But now it's the collision between technology and leadership and sort of this resident journey. So now it's like, we need to bring all these things together so we can design a company that is here to stay. And that's really what uh, the summit is about, right? What's going to happen next in multifamily? What are the leading innovations and technologies that are going to impact the way that we create money, keep money? And how do we create a company that attracts the right talent, the right residents, and the right investors to raise capital? That's awesome. So what's your message to property owners, property managers right now? What's what's on your on your on your heart there? Yeah, I think it's exciting times for multifamily. Uh, you know, I I would forget all of the things that you don't have control over. Uh, is it overheated? Is it not overheated? All that stuff just stay focused and you know, the best service I've always provided to those investors that I looked at real estate deals for is the real estate I didn't buy. 
uh, a lot of people are trying to acquire and find deals and whatever. And it's like some of the best values you can create for other investors if you're doing it on behalf of investors is a real estate you don't buy. What do you mean by that? Well, I think getting into a deal, right, and getting out of a deal are two different things. And so, especially for even a a young investor, it's like you just want to get your first deal. You want to be very careful about how you structure that deal so you can focus long term around creating that value. Again, thinking about, you know, is this property well positioned, you know, in the marketplace? Can we, you know, create the value with uh, the technology? Can we create the value with the rent growth? And are my investors on board for the long run? especially when you're trying to create a track record of, you know, returns for investors, things like that. And so I'll give you an example. You want to have the incentives aligned. There was a deal I looked at a long, long time ago in 2006, 2007, a bad time to be looking at a deal. And it was uh, requiring one of our investors, large portfolio of a 1031 exchange. You're talking about 50 million in asset or capital that would go into this portfolio, large portfolio in Arizona. I think it ended up being one of the largest real estate deals in the state of Arizona. And, you know, so I kind of dropped in, looked at the deal and, uh, you know, everything looked good. Great company that put the, the JV together. Uh, everything looked great. When I got there, I started looking around and I'm like, you know, this is before all this sort of upside with tech and all these things. I'm looking around and seeing, you know, the stucco, the cabinets and all the things that the, the money had already been made, right? So I'm like, where do you go from here? Well, our company stood to lose probably $4 million in fees. So you have to have the courage sometimes to say no, if you know that you cannot create and with certainty, you know, the the right program. Well, at the time, a lot of people were not really happy with me because, you know, acquisition fee, that's how you sustain in an acquisition world, the company. And so we said no to that deal, or at least I did. And, you know, didn't create a lot of friends during the process. But at the end of the day, about 18 months later, turned out to be one of, you know, saving somebody $50 million. So you don't always get paid on what you save people. But when you can create value for an investor that they know, like, hey, look, I'm working with you and I'm going to bring you on to, to work together because I'm in this for a, a legacy. I'm in this for the long run. Most investors are looking to get in, get out, that kind of thing. I'm in this to, to make it worth for you uh, in the long run. I think yeah, that's, that's a- sort of what I mean by that statement. That's- that's a great message. How can people find out more about uh, multifamily leadership and uh, connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Patrick Antrim. Of course, that's a great way to connect. Multifamilyleadership.com. Uh, that's our summit site. We have our podcast and many other things that we're doing there, but uh, would be uh, happy to connect. Awesome, Patrick. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, Michael. Oh, man. Was that good? I thought that was really good. I never thought about an Uber type scenario for multifamily. So definitely check out Patrick's multifamilyleadership.com. He's got upcoming summits. Educate yourself about these technologies. We're going to put them in the show notes at themichaelblank.com forward slash session 185. That's session 185 because he mentioned a bunch of technologies. And I want to make sure that you're in there and I'm going to look into them myself. We're going to have our asset managers look into that and we're going to have our property managers look into that. And I think what Patrick was saying is it's so key is really just to change our thinking, 
from what we've always done, what's expected of us, and trying to be more progressive and innovative not and to improve the resident experience. In so doing, we will have a competitive advantage and which will affect our bottom line. So I'm a technology at heart. I love that. I frankly didn't know a lot of these, these uh, technologies existed. The ability to automate these things in a, such a way that makes the experience better is really appealing to me. So I would suggest checking out multifamilyleadership.com. Check out some of these companies. We're going to do it. I highly recommend you do it as well. Hope that opened up your minds and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.